This is the People Focus Podcast with Talkstaff, celebrating the most important asset that we all have, our people. The people that help keep our businesses running each and every day. The people that motivate us when times are hard, help us make decisions that don't always feel like they're the right ones, and challenges when we need to stay on track to achieve the overall company mission. They are the purpose behind what we do, and this is where we honor them. The People Focus Podcast, and here's your host, Gary Parsons. Yes, so it's the People Focus Podcast. It's our first episode. Yes, my name is Gary Parsons. I'm the Managing Director here at Talkstaff. And um, I am delighted to be here today with David Orange, who is my co-director, partner in crime, perhaps that's not the best thing to say on a podcast, Um, and um, ultimately the person that's been with me for the last 12 years today. Should we round of applause? We made it. We we made it. I don't know how we've made it, but we're here. Um, Did you think we'd be doing a podcast on our 12th birthday? I don't know what I thought I'd be doing on my 12th birthday, but it probably involved a beach and some sea and some drinks. Well, considering um, we're filming this today and and recording it to go on to our podcast today, you would be surprised to know that um, yesterday was actually 27 degrees and today it's cold and raining. So uh, unfortunately, we spoiled that dream, David, but we can try and figure it out. So um, thank you very much for joining me. I'm really pleased that we've got the opportunity now to, for the first episode, celebrate what we've been doing for the last 12 years. That's the theme of this season. So uh, set the scene for the people that are listening. Uh, hello, everyone out there. So what we'll be doing is recording 12 podcasts for season one. Season one is all about the 12 years of talk staff being our 12th birthday. It's an opportunity to celebrate the people that we've worked with, people that have helped us on the journey. And also it gives us the opportunity to say thank you to them as well. Absolutely. And I think it's only right to do that because celebrate is one of our values. I love how you got that in there. Celebrate is one of our five values. I will come back to that later on our quick round, which I've not made you aware of whatsoever. What we said is we would like to say thank you to people. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to you for dragging me to a hot summer's day, to a day garden uh, with lots of beer, I think it was. I can't remember that far back, but all the beer and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I remember it very clearly because it was on the back of the swine flu epidemic, which is quite apt really now celebrating our 12 years. So uh, for those of people that don't know, we started out in 2009, so we did it on the back of a recession. And I know that you were in a great job for an international company, but um, David, do you want to just start off by just introducing yourself and just explaining what your role is in a business though? Because I can sit here and talk about Gary Parsons, Managing Director, now podcast host of the People Focus podcast, but do you want to just explain what your role is in a business? Because you co-founded it in 2009. Do you want to just explain that so people understand what you do? Sure, yeah. So obviously, David Orange, I'm the Sales and Marketing Director here at Talkstaff. Um, I think it's fair to say that over the last 12 years, my role has changed a million and one times. Uh, I think some days I didn't even know what my role was as we've grown and grown, but I think that's all been part of the fun. So I think now my, uh, you know, the main part of my role is actually working with the teams in our services uh, and with the consultancy side of our business to make sure that we are providing the best service, that we are 
driving sales as well through our teams and actually supporting the growth with bringing new team members in, making sure that they are up to speed, that they have everything that they need and also providing good, solid coaching and support. It's not easy some days with a lot of different people with a lot of different needs, but actually that's the the, the part of the job that I really, really enjoy. Um, and I suppose on the other side, obviously working with you, Gary, and, uh, and and working towards the strategic goals that we put together and and driving that growth. So it's uh, it's a big old job, um, but it's very rewarding. The benefit of being able to sit in the same room as you and do this podcast can see when you were laughing then when you actually said the benefit of working with me. But thanks for the compliment, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that you are the the guy that supports all of the team when they're going, having the, their best and their worst days, as well as supporting me. And, and I know that I, we support each other quite heavily on those areas. So one of the questions that we've got that I wanted to ask you today and set the scene for everybody is going back to that, that pub garden back in 2009, uh, when you sat down with me and said, hey, Gary, do you want to move 100 miles away from my home in Chester? I've always lived there and gone to college over there. And I was 10 minutes away from my mother, who I'm actually seeing later on today. So I don't think uh, she'll thank you for dragging me away. I don't know. And came over and helped it. So you approached me about it. So what was it that in 2009, on the back of a recession, so it was 2008, worldwide recession, probably the biggest that we've seen for a very long time, even though we've gone into a session in 2020 slash 21, it's nothing to anything like what we went through then. But why did you have this brilliant idea of setting a business up? And back then we were focused on recruitment, which I know, but... If anyone knows me and you know me quite well by now, I love a challenge. So the challenge of getting you 100 miles to, to, to move... Uh, was was probably the biggest challenge, but I think the one thing that um, that really stuck out from uh, I know you know how long you and I have known each other even before working together here um, was that we both had very similar personal values um, and at the time had both found ourselves working within the recruitment industry. Um, and I think the really interesting thing about that particular time is we'd both been in that industry through probably one of the toughest times, I would say, recruitment's been through, even if you take the, the current pandemic into account. And I think what was really obvious is that we both had similar frustrations. And I know we spent a lot of time uh, on the phone, talking to each other in our respective jobs, just talking about how we would do things slightly different if we had the ability to do that. And I think, you know, coming off the back of, of, of several conversations across many, many months, it just seemed really natural that maybe if we thought we could do it in a better way and provide a better service to, to everybody, then why shouldn't we do it, you know? Do you know, a word that you've just used there was that we were both consultants who so we were working in those businesses. And I remember the when you and I used to sit talking to each other. I had the park and ride. We'd both commute into the city centres where we, I don't know where I was living at that point, but we'd both commute and we'd both be talking to each other on the way throughout our, our previous careers. And one thing that stood out there, and again, you've just touched on it with those values, I didn't feel in those businesses, and they were big corporate businesses. I know we, we'd both worked within the top 10 largest recruitment companies in the world, I think, potentially. Um, 
So when we were in those businesses, unfortunately, the culture for me at the time, and I don't know, it, 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 12 years ago, it's most probably changed. But the culture for me at that time was very sales focused. And it was very much about KPIs of for the recruitment industry, how many CVs you sent out, how many interviews you sent out. It was irrelevant how much money you build or whether you were doing a, a good service to those clients. Actually, that's quite unfair. They, they were conscious on, yeah. on, on good service. However, it was very KPI driven, which is what you normally see in sales. Yet you and I, we were in the capacity of a consultant role. Or certainly I wasn't until three months before I left, but I was doing the job of a consultant. But our ethics were very different and we wanted to do a good job. And that's what made us successful. And that's what made us build the revenue that we did. If we look back to to before, before Talk Stuff was born, uh, you know, sort of 13, 14 years ago. And when I first joined the recruitment industry, I mean, I joined the industry from... Um, well, not from a telesales background. Certainly, I'd never picked the phone up and tried to get an audience with anybody that made a decision in a business. But what I was very passionate about was providing excellent service, uh, which was all led from a very sales-led role that I did do then. Um, and I think in some ways, those types of businesses, those big international corporate businesses, were very much geared around bringing people into the industry, which is actually a really commendable thing to do. Um, it's not a very easy thing to bring somebody out of industry into it. Um, and actually, KPIs did have a, a significant part into why I became successful initially, because without those, I wouldn't have known what activity I should have been focusing on. However, when you get to the point where you are successful, I think there's there's a point in time in which they missed, which was, well, actually, if these people are producing the results and providing the service, then actually maybe we should just let them do what they do best and not focus so much on those KPIs. And I think that is really what was missing at the time. That's quite common in sales, isn't it? KPIs, we always think we get that mistaken with, uh, well, certainly I say we, we don't do this anymore. But KPIs, people get mistaken with the word target. And KPI is a key performance indicator. It's absolutely the guide. We use KPIs on our business. Why wouldn't we? We would be, wouldn't be the successful business that we are now if we didn't have KPIs across finance or other areas of the business. However, you're right, people see KPIs as targets. And um, I'm not going to stay on this point too much longer, but with KPIs, it's great because it's a guide. It absolutely helps you. And you said there on your journey that you need to do five of these and two of those. And if you do them, then you will make you will be successful. And then when you're successful, you can start then have that creative license to be able to change and work with them differently really and get that guide and, and, and adapt it. So yeah, KPIs are an interesting one. We won't yeah, we'll, we'll leave that there. Yeah, for I think a moment. we could go into a lot of uh, <laughs> heated debate about KPIs and the use of them, but Absolutely. And we've had twelve years of working with employers, so we know lots of different ways, good and bad. So moving it forward and you you pointed out there. So we started the talk staff started and this is important to mark this. Talk staff started as a recruitment business, didn't it? Yes, it did, yeah, very much so, based on, on the fact that that's what we'd both come from and that's what we'd been saying we could do something 
different, something in our eyes, better than what we were doing already. Do you remember the pivotal moment when that changed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our famous Paul Davy. I'm sure he's still working now and still doing it. Do you remember those days? I do. I think there's no hiding that the first few months of, of, of what became Talk Staff was quite difficult. You know, it, it wasn't success on day one. And I think there's not many businesses that can say that, you know, they open their doors, so to speak, on day one and bang, I'm successful. That doesn't really happen. And if it does, well, great. You know, that's that's a unique situation. But you're right. There, there's a lot of hard work that goes into getting to the point in which you can turn around and go, oh, you know, that was great. Look at what we did. And that particular set of circumstances there was, was certainly one of those points. You're right to point out that in those first couple of months, it was hard. I'd, I'd moved we had no money coming through the door. We had some part-time jobs at a hotel. Can you remember what we used to eat on a daily basis? Yes, yes I do. do. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can't do this now because I'm vegan, but there's probably a, a equivalent that we can get out there. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's always something that we talk about quite openly. Um, certainly when we've got new team members coming in, thinking about the times when we set up and, you know, working many, many hours, not just in the business. I know we both had jobs alongside that in evenings and weekends in hospitality. You had a meal in an evening. I went to my hotel. Everyone had eaten for the day. I survived on leftover buffet. But during the daytime, you you were you became chef de party or whatever <laughs> the, uh, the phrase is, and you were you were there in our, our shared flat that we had at the time and our studio flat that we were renting in in Belper. And uh, what was that famous meal? That you used had to none other than the finest Morrison's value tomato soup, followed up with, uh, I think, Morrison's value bread. And uh, we even splashed out and got some cheese and salad that went into that. And that would be it, wouldn't it? That, you know, the days of dunking the cheese and salad sandwich into, uh, into the, the tomato soup. And actually, do you know, when you think back, it actually wasn't all that bad. It was. I think it was full of sugar. Yeah, it probably <laughs> it was, was full of sugar. Full of sugar. But I think we burnt oh, it off with the work that we were doing. So. <laughs> yeah, and the irony is now we, we were there earlier. Actually, we should have checked. I think their soup now is twenty seven p or something like that. So I think it was only seventeen pence at the time. Yeah, like it's, it, it it was. So that was how we would survive, and it's really hard, isn't it, when you're trying to run a business? We were doing. I remember I was leaving the flat at six o'clock and going to the hotel down the road often I would finish there sometimes it would be one o'clock sometimes well very rarely it would be 3 a.m but I would normally finish anywhere between 11 and one o'clock in the morning and I'd come back fall into bed get up and carry on at half seven eight o'clock the next morning looking in absolute state I remember before you bring that up but the uh yeah just being able to push that forward but look at what we've got today so People think that sometimes these things are born out of money and, and we very much use that money on credit cards, which I wouldn't condone, but it got us through it and we pushed it forward. But going back to the to the moment where that, that changed dramatically, I remember going back that Christmas, bearing in mind we incorporated in June, I fully moved over in the August. Do you remember going back that Christmas and what we said to each other? Absolutely. I think it, there was that it was that pivotal point that we said, we have a number of weeks, I think it was six weeks, to actually make something happen and actually start to see revenue coming through the door. And actually, after a four or five month commitment, and in some cases, 100 hour weeks, the thought of actually giving up on the dream that we had was was quite scary in some ways. You know, it was one of those things where we knew that what we were doing was right. 
But when you're faced with um, day after day of, of picking up the telephone and building relationships and talking to people, and every time that you pick the phone up, someone laughs down the phone at you and go, haven't you seen what's just happened? We've just, we've just made 200 people redundant. We don't need you. That was a real long battle that we'd been through. And we knew that, that it was based on relationship building. But unfortunately, at that point, when we went away for that Christmas... We hadn't seen the fruition of all that hard work. And we knew we'd only got a certain amount of time left. Not only financially, but I suppose if you want to talk about mentally, going through that day in, day out, week in, week out, plus what the equivalent of another full-time job on top of that, there's only so long that you can do that and be effective. I'm surprised we didn't burn out. I, I know I certainly when I went home at Christmas... And I went to go and stay with mum at Christmas. And like you say, we came back and said, right, let's give it six weeks. If that, I don't even think it was that. I think it was more like three or four weeks. And I went back home and I remember I had the flu. And that was because that was my body's way of saying, stop, Gary, stop it now. Relax, have some time out. Because I was just running on adrenaline and, and I kept pushing forward. And it's crazy. It's crazy what we were doing. But again, it, it's it's great what we achieved. But in those first six months, we obviously... The, the look changed, I guess. It That's is. the best way of describing yeah. it. And the I want to know that we have got Caroline. Um, we're going to be uh, doing an episode of her, which is great. And you'll get to hear about this, the journey that they've gone on, actually, over the last 12 years. And I remember that she was one of our first clients that we worked with on the back of that coming after Christmas and picking the phone up to us and saying, I've never used an agency before. I don't know what I'm doing what help I need somebody now I spoke to her many weeks many months having a great chat of her and helping her and we built up a great rapport and and I think I'd met with them at that point and that's when she picked up the phone to us and said I don't know what agencies do I don't know how it works can you come in and can you can you get this sorted and I think for me in that January it's what I needed I know when that phone call came through on our way to a meeting and you stopped I, I had this conversation on a podcast recently uh, with somebody else um, that interviewed me. And I remember saying, I was in the car with you when you were driving, you said, we either turn this car around and go and make sure we find somebody for her or we go ahead to that meeting and know that we've potentially missed out. And we turned the car around and, and they said it was fine. I think it was a... I think if you remember, we were actually just got to the car park of where we were going and we turned around in the car park. I remember ringing them and saying, we've had a client call, they desperately need our help. Do you mind if we come back? And they said, absolutely not. We'd do the same. And we drove back down the down the A6 in two minutes and found somebody for her. And that was great. That's where that relationship started. But spoilers on that, because there'll be a whole episode about it. But that for me was a pivotal moment because... It suddenly made sense what we'd been doing for many months and we'd been talking to people and getting an understanding of what's going on in the business and just building just those relationships. Yes, there were those moments where I would talk to people and they'd laugh down the phone or they'd get very angry because they've just made two or three hundred people redundant because that what was that's what was going on on the back of a recession. Uh, however that restored my faith and I realised why I was doing it and Caroline's great I'm so we're so lucky that we still got her and we still work with her and we're still doing lots of different things for across the business now and um, when we moved forward and I want to ask you earlier that pivotal moment I wonder if you remember the meeting we had with Paul from Business Link where he sat down with us and said in our, in our flat at the time, in our studio, in our dining room, and said, you need to go out and work out 
why you do what you do and understand what we now know as the purpose of our business. And we, and we were clients to do this now, but he sat down with us and he said that. And that relationship that we'd built with Caroline for all those months and other clients, that over that time I realised that we were successful because people wanted to work with us because they trusted us and they saw how our values were aligned to theirs. They knew that we cared. When you were in it, it's very, very hard to see it. And that external perspective that came from from Paul at the time, you know, think about what you're doing well, think about why have you had the success that you've had so far, was a real moment of time that, that turned everything. Because off the back of that, what did we go and do? We went and we actually spent an entire day out of the business which at that time seemed a crazy thing to do and we weren't even probably under 12 months in early 2010 and we weren't even 12 months in yet we went away and did that now you could argue we should have done that beforehand however it was helpful doing that at a later stage because when we started the business we thought we'd just be able to just get it running straight away well i remember the financial projections that we had and (laughs) i think we were meant to have about 300 attempts out by month six or well maybe not that many but yeah they're in the safe somewhere i've seen the financial (laughs) projections i i've kept them for uh for nostalgia and memorabilia of back of the day that we've got so i'm going to take it forward though so in 2010 in that six months between the january and the june when we opened our first office we obviously did very very well and we generated enough money to be able to one buy all the furniture in an office and move into a whole new office but that was the reason to bring someone in particular through which i know is quite nostalgic to bring up his name it was uh talk stuff tim talk stuff tim Tim, as we call him but yeah when uh, tim joined us and that was I mean, to be fair, it was either have an office and bring Tim on board or go on holiday. Yes, we did say that. I remember stood there on a very hot day in the middle of April and May and we said, do we carry on just being Gary and David or do we go out there and do we hire people or do we actually just go on holiday? I definitely would have liked that holiday. There was definitely enough money there, but it wouldn't have lasted too long. But yeah, because it was a really stressful few months. But yes, we brought our first apprentice onto the business, Tim. Amazing guy. I know he went on to go and work with the FA and do football refereeing and working with children to help them get into football, which absolutely sits alongside our values, really does. And um, we're still in touch with him now. Absolutely. At that point... We, of course, changed our company name in 2010. And this was on the back of the meeting with Paul and and the launch of this office. I think yeah. we'd moved in there a little bit, hadn't we, with Tim? And then we'd, we'd rebranded and we got people along for sandwiches and an evening and people that we'd met through networking in the back of the business on toast days. Had we even given up our, our part-time jobs that went alongside that at that point i think i gave up in april you gave up in may <laughs> because <laughs> i just couldn't get enough <laughs> uh, because you were being fed at that point so so yeah so we'd given that up and on the back of those conversations we've had with paul and i was holding on to marketing at the time that was that was what i was looking after and i remember sitting down with you and saying have amber valley recruitment i think we were called back then or avrec a amber valley rec um we needed to change that name because we were looking at how we were working with employers and we adopted this phrase of, and this really surprised me the other day, is a 360 degree approach to staffing. How ironic that is that now when we talk about a 360 degree approach to people. And we're not lying about this. If you go onto archive.org and look back in the day of, of it, it clearly say that on the website. But we knew at that time 
well, I certainly I did, that we needed to change the company name because Avrec and Amber Valley Recruitment didn't align to those bigger things that we wanted to push forward into payroll. We did some bits in training and we, we that didn't make sense for us. But we knew that that's why companies were working with you and I, because we were being extremely consultative with your Carolines and your Johns and different people of the world that we were working with as a two-man band at the time. However, you didn't like it. <laughs> no, and I think when when I look back now, it, it seemed entirely rational to have the response that I had at the time. It was one of those really touchy subjects for me, having worked for a very, very well-known business uh, within accountancy and finance recruitment. One of the leading people in the Midlands, if you needed that type of staffing support, that's where you went, joined a fantastic name um, and before I'd even actually started, uh, they rebranded to to their corporate name, um, which effectively wiped the clients alongside of a, a number of other things. So when I sat down and said to you, I've been looking at what we're doing, Amber Valley's a bit restrictive on the area that we cover because we wanted then to look at expanding into the East Midlands, which we were doing. And we had a massive bust up effectively, didn't we? And I think at that point, if I remember correctly, at that point, we still were working our jobs and you stormed out the room and... I was and cleaning my teeth at the time. You were cleaning your teeth at the time. <laughs> well, actually, the following day, I, I followed you and that's when you were going off to get yourself ready, brush your teeth, get ready to go do your other job. Common thing here, isn't it? I'm always brushing my teeth. You're always brushing your teeth, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's your uh, radiant smile. However, when I sat down with you and you said, I know where this is going, I've seen it go wrong before, I don't want to do it. And we were less than a year in at that point, and certainly a solid six months in, you had that nervous anxiety kicking in because you've seen how it's gone wrong before. And I remember we, we didn't speak properly, we went there and we carried on the next day and I, ever persistent <laughs> Gary that I am, I sat down and said, we really need to get this sorted because I was so passionate about it. But what a lot of people don't know is if I'd had that conversation with you the day before, it wouldn't have been talk staff that I would have proposed to you. And I really wish I'd known what it was, but I remember going to bed that, that night and thinking, what do we do? What's really good? And I and I thought to myself, we work with the people in the business, their employees, well, employees sounds quite long, at staff, that's a nice word. And then we're consultancy. So we have some really good conversations with people. Oh, conversations, that's two-way conversations. We listen and we talk. And for me, that was then a play on words of saying, well, it's a staff consultancy, a people consultancy, talk staff. And I only had that the evening following our first fallout. And then when I'd proposed it to the next day, I was so passionate about it because I'd thought of this name whilst lying in bed at one o'clock in the morning. And I, I remember waking up and writing it down and saying, I need to remember to, to propose it with you. And when I started the conversation again, and then you went to go and brush your teeth ready to go. I said today might be more Punch and Judah than Gary and David. And I remember saying to you at the time, really need to change this name. And you looked at me, you said, okay, then humor me. What was the name you were thinking of? Um, I can see this smug <laughs> grin. I don't know why it was smug, this, this grin across your face where you then, I, I said, well, talk staff. And you looked at me and went, I like it. And all I want to do is punch you. I very quickly ran out of the apartment and into yeah. my car at that time. It's the response I wanted, but I really didn't like it when I did get it. Was I wrong? Well, no, you weren't wrong. Um, that, sorry, David, just for clarity here, on the record, can you say, Gary, you were right? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, it's not the best I'm going to get, then I'll just settle with that. But, you know, we made the change. And running a business, no matter what size of business you've got, whether it's one person, two people, 100 people or 1,000, you have to make some really difficult choices. And a lot of the choices that you make are based on the experience that you've had. Making that change at that time, after a period of, of really fighting for a good six months to get to that office, get to that point where we could afford to make that decision, was was a really big thing. And, and then to think, well, actually, let's change the name and potentially have the same thing that happened to Manpower Professional was a massive risk based on the experience that I, the limited experience that I had at that time. So moving forward, um, and I think the industry's changed a lot, actually, in the last 12 years. Massively. You know, we talk about people, don't we? We talk about um, people functions these days. But but certainly when we first started up 12 years ago, it was very much HR. HR was front and centre taken over from, from personnel at the time. Well, here's the thing. So I worked for Spring Personnel, which became Spring because they dropped the personnel word. And I've talked about this and I'll continue to talk about it for a, a long time um, and until I ha- get told to stop, is that personnel did change to HR. And I know a conscious decision, which we'll come on to now, is for us, we've brought this phrase about of being a people consultancy because we've no longer just that recruitment business back in the day. We have we have evolved. People is where it's at now. I remember when we put that together, we wanted to say we're a people consultancy because we're not a HR consultancy. We've pushed it even further than that now. We don't just do HR. It's one of the services that we offer through HR support. But people is a lot more rounded now. Would you say that's one of the biggest changes that you've seen in the last 12 years with the employees specifically you've worked with? I think... I think in all essences of what we've done, whether we look at the services that we provide, you know, recruit our recruitment service or a payroll service or a HR service, it doesn't matter what angle you go at, people is the fundamental change in all of this. Um, and that comes from the day-to-day of paying somebody. You know, it is no longer just putting money into a brown envelope Okay, we're going a little bit further before 12 years, but it's no longer just putting money in a brown envelope and and giving it to somebody on a Friday afternoon. Legislatively, it's changed massively, but alongside that is the benefits. Alongside that is all the pension regulation. In one area, it's changed so much. But then when we're talking about hiring or retaining people or developing people, no matter which way you look at it, it's not HR. I remember a uh, workshop that we did a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic. There was about lots of different topics and it was the lifetime value. Uh, The employee lifetime value model. Thank you. Yeah. One of the questions that were brought up there was when does onboarding start? I remember it like being a shark tank at one point because everybody had a different opinion. But that's great because that has evolved and lots of people. And I think the reason there were so many opinions in the room, we must have had 40 people in that room on that day from lots of different employers, small, large, some more public sector focused. Yeah, financial services, law firms, engineering, manufacturing businesses, all the way through really. One, it was an incredible event just purely because it was a great opportunity to talk and shout about people as a, as a subject, but how much conversation was had from four questions, an entire... How much chaos did you ensue? Uh, on f- four basic questions, because a lot of it, in a lot of these businesses, it's opinion-based. 
if, if you haven't got a strategic plan to work to, it's entirely based on the opinion of the person that is in charge of it. So that's a really good point. I think you said a moment ago there was engineering there and then on the other side it was financial services. There's going to be very, on a, on a solicitor's phone, depending on who they are, there are going to be some traditional ones in there and there are also going to be some non-traditional ways of working. So, of course, personnel is probably still a way that a lot of those will work and people is well, there's more progressive businesses in there as well. And I think one of them was a people partner, people and culture partner. Yeah, I think the thing to remember is that one size doesn't fit all. When we're talking about a people function, when we're talking about any part of a people function, you can't do the same in one type of business as you can with another. It just wouldn't be the right thing to do. So answer this big question that people are asking me all the time, David. We call ourselves a people consultancy of choice. I think we are. I mean, that's a really good, I know that's our, our vision and our mission to to be the people consultancy of choice. What is a people consultancy? That really is the hardest question to answer because when you think about a HR function, you can very easily say, oh, if I was a HR consultancy, the HR consultancy of choice, if you like, um, then we would you know, make sure contracts and handbooks are in place, that legislatively you're okay as a business, policies are there, deal with disciplinaries, grievances, all that sort of stuff that has to be done within the business from a day-to-day perspective. That would be really easy to describe what we would be as a HR consultancy. But actually, the best way to think about a people consultancy is to break it down. There's no one-liner answer with this. And I know we've agonised over the best way to describe a people consultancy. Elevator pitch of people consultancy. And I think the way in which I think is the easiest way to think of a people consultancy is if you take the people function within a business, if you think of everything that is related to people and break it down, well, you can do it. You can do it. You put it down on a piece of paper. You say, well, what is people? Okay, HR is part of it. Let's not forget it. It's a it's a fundamental piece. So HR is the learning development. Absolutely. The secretarial, if you like, the administrative side, I think. Absolutely. Making sure that all your ducks are in a row, that employees are protected and employers are protected. That's the biggest piece of HR. But then actually, when we start looking at the other functions and the employee lifetime model is a great way to describe this. So the employee lifetime model, for those that don't know, is how you measure the amount of value you get out of an employee from the point in which they're offered a job to the point in which they leave the business. And if we take the very first part of someone joining a business, well, we've got pre-boarding and onboarding. Let's just say onboarding for now because it's easy to think of it that way. Well, actually, the better you onboard someone, the quicker that person will actually add value to the job or function that they're joining. So the changes that you make at that point to make that happen is a great way of increasing value over a short period of time. A people consultancy would focus on that particular element, for example. That's one example of where a people consultancy could help by looking at the onboarding process and adding value quicker. You could look at the middle part of that. You could look at how you attract and hire people and actually all the elements that go into that. That is the people function. So it's not just recruitment. It's not just HR. It's not payroll services. I know they're the three areas that we cover as services, but 
of course, it's then the more strategic approach then. Well, before you even get there, you've got the amount of time that an employee is actually with you. And that's where you will lose the most value. Because if an employee is up to speed in the current role that they're doing, whilst ever they're in the employment of that employer, they are adding the amount of value that they can add. They can do that job. But actually, there's a point in time with everybody where they start going, well, either I'm not happy for whatever reason, or I want more. And it's how you deal with those two scenarios before they come up. So if somebody wants more, it's about making sure that you've got those career pathways in place and employees know how they can access that and what they need to do to actually make progress on that pathway. Or if an employee isn't happy, it's about looking at the retention element of what what the business does. That can fall down as, as your basic stuff like benefits, but actually it can be making that employee give their opinion, have that two-way conversation. People call it employee engagement, don't they? As a, as a, as a, or employee as a term, voice. Or an employee voice. But that is so crucial to increasing the amount of value and the amount of tenure you get out of an employee. So that is nothing to do with hiring somebody, recruiting somebody or paying anybody. What would you say to an employer that is scared of engaging with their employees and sending an engagement at a we? obviously have a engagement platform partner that we work with and we do engagement projects with companies. That's quite scary for some people. I know it scares me every time we send it out, yet we've just seen ours go up by 4.4 points, which is quite dramatic because it was in the 80s already. There's employers out there that don't want to ask because if they say, we want this, this and this, they can't deliver it to those employees. So what would you say to an employer that's scared of doing it that doesn't necessarily have the time or resource to be able to react and deliver all of those demands that the employees want. That's their words, not mine. Sure. I think what I would say to them is it's really important to hear the truth that's coming back from the people within your business. Even as a strategic leader, you can't make decisions unless you actually know the facts. And by doing something as simple as reaching out to the employees in the business and asking for feedback will give you more insight than you could possibly imagine to have. Now, that might be scary because you might not know what's coming out. But actually, a lot of the time i found when I've worked with, with our clients, certainly on employee engagement projects, they think they know what the output is going to be. And actually, what they tend to find is the not knowing is more scarier than the knowing. Do you think it's important that they at least say they're listening? I, I know... I guess what I mean by that is that if you you could go out there and you could do the engagement survey and then ignore it, which I know is the wrong thing to do. However, what value do you give to going out there and just asking for that opinion and and that feedback in the first place? Is it worth just doing it just purely for that on its own if you're not going to follow up those actions or, or don't do them very quickly? If you are going to go out to the employees within your business and ask for feedback, I think it's really important that feedback is acknowledged first of all. And, you know, as businesses evolve, actually satisfying everyone is, is you, you can't do it. It's impossible. But what you can do and what everybody has time to do is very small incremental changes. And even if you do get some scary results off the back of the engagement survey that you do, at least you know. And at least you can start putting a plan in place to actually start mitigating some of the things that are happening. It doesn't mean that you have to undertake 
100 projects all at once because you've had all this feedback. But actually, by making employees aware that you have listened and just committing to one or two small changes will not only give you a great deal more respect as a leadership team, but actually employees will be much happier because they've got the ability to have their say and know they're heard. And that's really powerful. I know we've seen it with ours, but with clients as well, where we've sent engagement surveys out and the feedback that they've come back with and it's something that I was reading only ours, ours went out recently and the feedback was it's great to be listened to and it's great to give the opportunity to say this is right this is wrong and anonymously as well absolutely the anonymous part is really really important and when I say anonymous I'm, I mean anonymous thanks for talking through that because I think that's really important for people especially people that are now struggling with employees that are working remotely over the last year they're trying to get people to come back into the business and trying to reinvigorate that culture of a business as well is is hard if we take the concentrated period of time of the last 18 months since the pandemic started employees have gone through a tremendous amount of change You know, there's so many things that have changed compared to where we were 18 months ago. And, you know, employers, I'm talking to you. I get it. I get that you've been through a lot of change. But what we have to remember and what we remember, I know I remember, I know you do, is that we signed up for this. We signed up to run a business. That was our choice. So the change that we have to make is our decision. But if we think about employees... Yes, they've signed up to work for another business, but the changes that we as employers are making, they are at the mercy of. And it's really important to hear feedback when someone's been through a change. More so before a change happened, but we know that wasn't possible recently. But actually, we're at a point in time now where we can get feedback before we make another set of significant changes. And it's really important to do that. The other thing that I'd probably just add on the end of that about engagement and, you know, you talked about people not having the time or not having the commitment. Actually, what I'd really encourage is to consider people as one of the main areas of your company dashboard, because so many employers that I've worked with have focused on financials as a number one area of their company dashboard. And that's quite a common thing. That's not unusual because without revenue, you're not going to run a business. But actually, you know, the the poorer relations tend to be operations and marketing. But actually, the things that drive all of those areas is people. So even if you're only looking at that once a year to aid your strategy, please, 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 give your employees the opportunity to have their say. So you've just talked about employers and the last year that has been really difficult for us and for them. Would you say that's been your biggest challenge in the last 12 years? I think to be honest with you, you know, if I was to say that the pandemic's been the biggest challenge, it would be a bit of a cop out because to be honest with you, yes, it's a challenge. We've had to adapt, but actually it's just one of those things. And I know that's a really flippant thing to say. You had no choice but, but to you adapt. You have no choice, absolutely. You have had no choice but to make adapt, either adapt or don't. So it's just a challenge that you've had to deal with. If I think back to the last 12 years, some of the biggest challenges have been people challenges. Because I think it's the, the most complex subject It's the lifeblood of any business. As things change, you've got to be mindful of people all of the time. 
And making the right decision is difficult. And a lot of the time, the decisions that you make in your heart know they're the right decisions, but you don't want to make them. And I think there's a number of occasions over the last 12 years where that's been the case. And actually, not only within talk staff, but actually with some of the clients that I've worked with on a consultancy basis, where the reason that we are working with them is because they've got a really difficult circumstance to work through. It's not always exciting growth plans. You know, if it was, wow, what a job that would be. But actually the real interesting but difficult things are when there's a set of circumstances that need to be addressed. And it always comes back to people. We aren't immune to it. Just because we're a people consultancy, we'll get things wrong and we'll get things right more so, but we're not immune to it. And that's, I think for me, my the biggest challenge for me is, is myself because we set our standards, our own standards are extremely high. When somebody questions them for you, that's really, really hard. And you've got to take it and you've got to, the biggest challenge for me really is that I've had to take that on. And I've had to react to it and I've had to deal with it and listen to it and move forward with it. And there are people that are in a business now that we can look around and say, wow, isn't it an amazing place that we now work? But I know there are people that were with us previously that say, oh God, it was a horrible place to work because we've learned from it. And that's really important. No matter where you are in, in business, you won't always get it right. We know we haven't always got it right. I won't apologise for that because that's just part of the way in which businesses evolve. You learn. And if you were forever worried about making a mistake, you would never grow a business. There's a danger of not doing things because you're scared. And that's why you have somebody external holding your hand. I know I've worked with business coaches. I've got one that I work with now that's a business coach that helps me grow the business. And certainly you're my mentor and coach many times as I am equally for you. So my proudest moment was when we'd worked really hard and we knew that we needed to spend more time and development on the team and make sure that we're getting things right for them because we knew we owed it to them to do as much as we could do to support them and their their growth as well as our own and I remember standing there and I'm looking at it behind you actually I don't oh no not the actual is that the award that we won no it's a different one Back in 2017, we went with the Chamber of Commerce to a big event, a big awards ceremony that we were invited to because we'd been shortlisted and we were the finalists for the People Development Award. And I thought, do you know what? It'll be great if we win it. If we don't win it, we've done all the work and that's why we're here today and why we're feeling so good about it because we know that what we've done, the team have really benefited from and they have seen the development and effort that we've put in, which was great. I then said, if we're going to win it, that is amazing. And I remember the moment where they started announcing the winners and the finalists and there's a moment just before they said talk staff where I went, if we've not won it's fine it doesn't really matter and I went talk staff and I looked around three of you were in tears I had to go up on stage and make a speech and you stood behind me whilst and I can't watch Holby City without crying so I let alone look at you on stage behind me in the moment and I just stood on stage and spoke about it and I remember the president at the time of the Chamber of Commerce said to me many months later Oh, you're Gary at Talkstaff. Do you know, I really respect and admire your business. 
which is a great thing to hear. I think it was their annual dinner. He said, when you went up on stage, you were genuinely happy and humbled to have been chosen. And other people that might have gone on that stage would have gone on there knowing they'd won. But you didn't know. And it was important to you. And that was important to me. And I've continued to talk about that to everybody that I see now and how important it is to enter these awards and shout about what you do because you've worked really hard for it. And yeah, it's important. It can see me getting emotional because it was it was a really important, proud moment that we finally did it and we had that recognition. It was when it sunk in following days when we realised what that actually meant, the recognition that we'd had externally for doing what we're passionate about and for doing what we are, a people consultancy, doing it internally and being recognised. What better accolade is that? I'm just looking at all of the awards and a few of the awards behind you. So we've got finalist for small business of the year people development award 2017 winner commitment to people development award finalist downstairs we've got employer of the year that's crazy in itself because we we'd only just really moved into nottingham and then we won employer of the year at nottingham which was just that was the nottingham post awards and then there was the other one of course that was you know really what we set out to 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 really achieve and you know, when we were shortlisted as a finalist for the Professional Services Award, something that historically had only ever been accountancy firms, finance firms, investment banks, all those things that you think about when you think of a professional services business. But actually, when you talk about a people consultancy and when we talk about talk staff, we always say we're a professional services firm because we service the people industry end to end. That's what we do. When we talk about a people consultancy, we talk about ourselves very similarly to accountants or solicitors because they are the people you go to for your finance. They're a finance firm. They're an accountancy firm. We are a people firm. You come to us not because we're a one-stop shop or we are a one-man band. You know, we've, we've stood in the street with cymbals and drums, etc., harmonicas. We absolutely have specialists in all of those different areas, but then we have somebody that can oversee overall. So, so yeah, to have that professional services recognition, which you've got to win, we've got to win, maybe 2022, then absolutely that was great. For anybody that past or present that's what's worked for talk staff and been part of it, thank you, because you have made us what we are today in whatever shape or form you've done it, whether you've been here a month, for uh, a year, four and a half years, um, then, you know, thank you for all your efforts that you've made because it's it's really made a difference to us to have you on the journey. And you you have, you've shaped us what we are today, good and bad. Absolutely. And that ties in really nicely with my proudest moment as well. Sitting here thinking about awards and thinking about a team and thinking about things like that. But I think for me, because... A lot of my role is based around the day-to-day element of, you know, supporting the people in those teams. I think probably my proudest moment or two of my proudest moments, if I can, can I have two, one, <laughs> is, is actually the development that we've seen um, a couple of the people in our business that have come from outside of the industry. You certainly remember Jake that was with us. Jake. Um, oh, Jake. We love who, Jake. He was yeah, fab. He started on as an apprentice, learned the admin side of the business, moved on to become a resourcer, worked really close with me once when we was a lot smaller, working, you know, working really hard, finding that 
really hard to find talent doing an absolutely cracking job to move into a full recruitment role and be consistently brilliant at providing not only great candidates but a superb service to our clients in our recruitment service he was passionate he loved what he did he was a real character until his girlfriend stole him away from us and took him 100 100 miles away from us uh, so I, oh you know remote working and hybrid working that we have now maybe uh, get in touch jake that's one really proud moment for me a more recent version of that is is tom who joined us on our I don't know who you mean that's for the benefit of Tom who's maybe listening to this and I don't know who Tom is because uh, I've mentioned him on a podcast the other day he said oh hey did you talk about me Tom came into the industry from a very sales focused role but never in recruitment and has shaped up and worked hard put the hours in taken a lot of the feedback a lot of coaching listening and really taking note taking all the good stuff and using it on a day-to-day basis to provide the best that he can and again he's gone from never doing recruitment before to a couple of the employers that he works with will only use tom and they are huge plc businesses that is an accolade in itself the team me my proudest moment is the development of the team and seeing them progress their careers I know one of the things on the back of the employees that we have in the business, I know now that we've got a lot of people in the business that have joined us already and are continuing to join us. When this goes out, we'll have somebody else that's joining us. Um, And they're all coming with years and years and years. I think Ewan, who's working for us, has got 19, 20 years of recruitment experience already in that team. And we've got people coming in like Debbie, who's been in payroll now for, I think, 15, 16 years. And we are now very much making sure that we're balancing that by bringing extreme and experienced consultants into those areas, whether it be payroll, HR, recruitment. And we're balancing that with also growing some talent through the business as well, because it's still important. Go back to Talk Stuff Tim. That's where we started back in the day of apprenticeships in 2010. So we know that we need to grow it. So what exciting things are going to be happening in talk stuff that people need to keep an eye on for me you know we've got a really really exciting strategic plan over the next three to five years Um, part of that involves a number of locations that we will be opening and a significant number of hires that will come along with that it's for us the next three to five years this is the year to watch talk stuff there's a lot going to be happening there's going to be a lot of stuff going out in the press that you'll see there's a lot of new people there's a lot of things that will evolve i'm really excited there's some great career pathways that our team will be able to work towards and some real great opportunities long term for those guys as well so it's just really exciting. Certainly you said about employees there, so I know that we're looking to double our headcount at least in the next 12 months. People say, don't they, in business, if you're not doing something that scares you a little, then you're not doing enough. And it is a scary thought, but actually, what a great thing to achieve. And, you know, whatever part of our services that you're utilising, service for us is, is, is number one. And by bringing the best talent in the industry to talk staff, 
will ensure that we're able to provide that during the growth stages that we're going through. What was that phrase you just said, if it doesn't scare you, it's not enough, then I definitely think we're doing enough. (laughs) And you touched on locations there. That's going to be really important for us. What we're not going to be doing is opening a location and calling it an office or a branch or or whatever that might be. But equally, we're not saying to the team, you are based at that office five days a week. I know we've seen stats coming out saying people, certain percentages of people, I think it was published on our blog actually a few days back, about how many people will be working in the office at any one time. But what we have seen is that people want to have a location nearby where they live and they can go there, the culture hub of talk staff. So for us, that's very much going to be, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to be a an office a location for them to work from, but give them the flexibility to work from there, work from a different one, uh, work further down the road, work from home. Whatever works for you. As long as you're working or yeah. achieving, uh, if you're not achieving, we're here to support, I guess. But yeah, we're not going to be sitting down and saying, or certainly no plan to to do that. In terms of the longer term thing, I can't wait to be sat in Grand Canaria working. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so seriously then until that laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Can we go there now? No. Okay, no COVID. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there is that ability to do it. If somebody wants to be a part of this, there could be companies out there i feel like you're going to get hounded now there could be people out there that want to come and join us there could be clients out there that want to come and work with us because they have become people focused or they want to become more people focused and they want to bring our expertise and i know you do lots of coaching and consultancy with clients as well as the services of our teams how do they get in touch what do they look at quite simple um you can Go onto our website, www.talkstaff.co.uk. Um, you can find us on there. Um, get in touch in regard to any jobs that are actually listed on there if you want to. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search David Orange. There's not many people with that name on there. Um, and my mobile is actually on there. So just give me a call on my mobile. I'm happy to take a call whenever. If I don't answer, just leave me a voicemail. Uh, and my email address is on there as well. So if you just want to drop me an email, just feel free. I think the companies that really need to be reaching out to us and the one, certainly the clients that we're currently working with are the companies that are now wanting to grow and needing some support on there to become a bit more sustainable in how they do that rather than growing dramatically and not having any thinking place to be able to measure employee engagement or have their values defined, for example. So there's that side of things, but also there are companies I know we're working with at the moment that are planning to exit. So they are looking at their senior management team, making sure that their employees are engaged with them and not the owners. And how do they measure that? I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity. We only work with a handful of select number of employees in that respect, but that's going to be a growing area for us as well. Just reach out, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We're always there. We're always open for a conversation. We are called talk staff for a reason. It does come with a warning as well yeah we talk stuff a bit too much sometimes <laughs> but we do listen as well we, we've got an in-house joke of well, we don't just talk stuff we listen to and that's really key to that so all i would say is just get in touch if you've got a question if you need some support if you're just not sure we're on the end of the phone just pick the phone up we're there to help 
Thank you very much, David. Appreciate you spending all of this time to talk to me today. And everyone here about what we're doing for Talk Staff, I'm sure you're going to be listening to the other podcast episodes that we're going to be releasing. Remember, they're every two weeks that we're going to be releasing over the first five months. I think it works out. And yes, thank you very much. Really appreciate you spending time to talk to me today. Thanks for everything you've done. Long live Talk Staff for another 12 years. And we shall go uh, push forward even more. Thank you. That was the People Focus Podcast with Talk Staff. Please use your podcast app to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more content, visit talkstaff.co.uk slash people focus.